Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland International and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. And we're going to be joined shortly by France legend. And Johnny, your partner in crime, I think, judging by how much time you're spending together nowadays. Best mates. Mathieu Bastereau is coming on for a chat about his own career, Fabien Galtier, where this current France side are in the revolution. Plus, of course, we'll be analysing what went wrong in Marseille as France were humbled by Ireland and what might happen as they travel to Murrayfield this weekend. You've been busy, Johnny, at the start of this week. We had a weekend off, didn't you? So how was it? Oh, glorious. <laughs> uh, not sure my missus enjoyed it any more or less than a normal weekend when I'm away working, but mate, it was just nice to be able to sit, have a beer, watch Six Nations weekend, Friday night, then all Saturday. Bit of post-traumatic stress disorder, bit of the old PTSD after Scotland's performance on Saturday, <laughs> France on Friday night. Um, it wasn't all easy watching, but it was just really nice to be detached, sit down, relax, have a beer and enjoy it. A cracking weekend to watch as a casual fan or as a keen rugby nose like yourself. But from a French perspective, it was not good. So this is supposed to be one of the best front sides we've seen, at least for a good long while. But that was their worst home defeat in the championship for 110 years since 1914. Oh. So oh. given some of the sides we've seen in between that were quite mm -hmm. ordinary and didn't lose by that big a margin. What went wrong? And is it a case of this island side is probably one of the best sides we've seen in the tournament for a good long time as well? But from a French perspective, yeah, what happened? I think pre-World Cup, people in the Northern Hemisphere wanted to see Ireland-France as the final. So that was the game that people wanted. Two teams in the Northern Hemisphere, top of their game, flying. Ireland had been on top of the game for maybe 36 months. You know, number one side in the world, France, resurgent, new coach, new generation of players. It didn't happen. And for France and for French supporters, they didn't get the home World Cup win that they wanted. They didn't get anywhere near as far as they wanted. So I think for a lot of people, this was, you know, this is the chance to show the revenge. This is what we wanted. Take all that rage out the you know the physical the psychological the scarring for the players this was their chance to start with a bang but if there was one team for me that you didn't want to play against in the opening game of this championship it was Ireland extremely well organized uh federation run so players are rested they're fresh they're ready to go really well coached uh top class individuals and and given that context against the french who have lost Thibaut Giroud, their physical prep coach. Uh, they've lost their backs coach. Uh, they've lost their forwards coach, Karim Ghazal. Everything behind the scenes had kind of shuffled against the uncertainty of, we've just lost this home World Cup. And I think that that game against Ireland, who were exceptional, like let's not get away from that fact. Ireland were great and played very, very well and were smart and how they knocked France back, didn't allow them gain line, kept them on the back foot. And some areas of France's game were absolutely disastrous. Like, look at their lineouts, seven lineouts lost. Like, when was the last time that you saw a French side do that? Um, but that comes from new coaches coming in, new systems, new personnel. Gabriel Ag started as well, who we haven't seen in the international circuit for years. So, there's all these little things that went on behind the scenes. It was a sort of perfect storm that was left to brew. And then the performance and the result was catastrophic for French fans, for the team and for French rugby in general. So it hasn't been a great week. The backlash over here has been um, fairly monstrous, shall we say, to say the least. 
um, and they're not happy. And, and look, this now leaves Fabian Galtier. Game coming this weekend at Murrayfield. This is the first chance potentially under his reign. Yes, they've just had their first and worst home defeat in 110 years in the championship, but the first time potentially they lose three on the bounce. They probably weren't ready, I would say physically or mentally, and they were made to look very average. We'll come to some of the backlash as we go through the episode, but we've got to talk about the red card. Obviously, we don't know what would have happened if they'd have remained with 15 men. Paul Willemser is obviously a friend of the show, and you kind of yeah. mentioned it last week, how much he'd be wanting to finish on his own terms and the emotional side of things. So it was tough to watch that, but he made two errors that were just big tackle technique, tackle height errors, weren't they? Look, he's a big physical imposing presence and i mean that like you can take what we talked about it previously but wanting to make your mark is one thing but getting it right especially in that position and the type of play that paul's renowned for big physical clear outs and he missed that world cup because of injury he wanted to make an impact he wanted to make his presence felt he just got it wrong twice and that happens right people get it wrong but again that just compounded the scenario that already wasn't looking good for the french side you look at yeah. all the components you know defensively the try they shipped where Jonathan Dante's basically left clutching straws. They weren't getting their folding right. They weren't their numbers. But then your lineup is then even further destructured. Your your scrum and your mall is underpowered. So like Paul's red obviously had a big impact on the game. They were less to, left to play for probably 60 minutes of that game with 14 men, which doesn't help. But yeah, just sad for him and that his return ended on that note. A red card, he probably misses the next few games. And you've now got Manny Miafu, you've got Pasolo Tuolagi coming in. Alaga, who as well from Toulon, who looks like he might be on the bench this weekend, hasn't been named yet, but he's been training with the squad. So yeah, just very disappointing for him um, that his comeback went in that manner. It was really sad to watch. And we'll come to where France go from here a lot more, obviously with Mathieu Bastro shortly. But do they need to go back to basics a little bit or is that too simplistic? Because they were built this France iteration on a good defence, a good kicking game those kind of basic skills that you can rely on when there are big pressure moments. And that all seemed a little bit off against Ireland, who obviously are the best drilled side in the world, arguably. But that Sean Edwards defence just seems like it's a little bit misfiring. They, they've they conceded four or more in four of 81 games, Sean Edwards, Wales and France. Three of those have come in the last five matches with France. So there's something going on, isn't there? Yeah, but then it's a continue. We talk about this all the time. That that's the beauty of rugby and sport is that you're continually trying to evolve. I mean, you, you cannot win a game of rugby if your line out like the statistic chance of you winning a game of rugby if your line out is fifty percent is yeah. nigh on zero. So like you have to sort your line out, your scrum. They weren't getting any dominance or penalties from that. Defensively, that's the really interesting one. You're a man down. Everyone's exhausted, but you have to also credit the Irish attack. The the ways that they opted to to get their first phase options. You know, simple plays like from scrum, they were attacking blind sides, getting behind the French pack, uh, pinning them back, getting them on the back foot and then never allowing them that upper hand. Once France were on the back foot, they never got a chance to, to sprint off the line and come up and, and make dominant tackles. So the Irish attack was also very cute and very effective, but there are simple elements of their game, even things like Antoine Dupont not being there. And again, I don't think he would have made that much of a difference in terms of the general game plan because they were so much on the back foot and they had no ball, but his kicking game. You saw how Ben White's kicking game had a massive effect on Wales in the first half at Cardiff. Antoine Dupont released so much pressure with his kicking game when he's there. So yeah, line out, simplicity of being back to the full complement of 15 blokes, getting over a gain line, simple templates that they use so well, but like ultimately the weekend, they had no decent ball to play off. And you'd expect back to 15... You also would expect a big emotional reaction because classically any French team, whether at top 14, Pro D2, National or International, that loses at home, you're poking a bear. You're waking a beast. You're making a team very angry and you can guarantee they will come out with an emotional reaction this weekend and they'll want to set things straight. So yes, back to basics, but across the board, they have to be much, much better because that's what we're used to seeing, right? That's what we've seen since Fabian Galti took over is incredibly high standards, well-drilled, line-out, scrum, starter plays, multi-phase and defensively. Also, their kicking game, very pragmatic, but they were out-kicked as well by Ireland. So every single asset that they were out-fought, out-worked or out-thought by Ireland, um, and they'll need to raise their game for Murrayfield this weekend. Out-kicked and also 
in defence, do they have issues under the high ball? Because South Africa exposed them. I mean, there were a lot of high bombs in that quarterfinal, but a couple of tries came from them, and again yeah. against Ireland. But this is what I've been saying all along about playing. If I was, if you're playing against the blitz defense, there's no point running into it unless you can knock them back on the first phase. Your best option is to kick. And what we've seen is South Africa at the World Cup exploiting backfield, um, and we saw as well Ireland like opting to run the ball back 50 meters, then going sort of Gary Owen high ball and creating 50-50s in the backfield where we saw Damian Peno struggle a little bit. Uh, Moefana is Biai Barry going to come in this weekend? I don't know. Toma Ramos as well. Like All these guys will be under pressure. So teams have seen now different ways of exploiting or targeting the French side, but it's up to the French side, as we said, to continue to evolve. It's a big old physical game of chess. Get smarter, uh, find different ways to attack and defend properly and work your way into the game. So yeah, they're going to be attacked in different ways that other teams have now got their number in certain elements uh, and it's up to them to to improve. Right, we'll get Mathieu Bastereau on very shortly to get his take on what happened in Marseille and where France go from here. Look ahead to that Scotland game at Murrayfield a lot more. But there was a busy round of top 14 action as well at the weekend. So let's have a very quick chat about that and see potentially if that's where your meter moment of the week comes from, Johnny. It wasn't from the top 14. Any mentions? Mate, have you seen Antoine Dupont's offload? Yes, that's what I thought was coming. Oh, outrageous. Antoine Dupont against my old side, Bayonne. And again, seven tries, they knocked up. Antoine Dupont was playing at 10. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the boys were exceptional. Ruma, Jack Willis, Richie Arnold, all imposing, bonus point win. But there's one phase of play, and again, we'll share it on our stories on Instagram, but he charges down Teagbergen in the backfield, picks the ball up, and then no look out the door. I mean, nonchalant as you like, past to Pitaki, who basically jogs over to dot down. But all Antoine Dupont, the work... Uh, the skill set, the belief in his... And again, he probably could have walked over himself, but he just yeah. flicked into Peter K. Like, sublime piece of skill. But that isn't my meter moment of the week, Tim. You mentioned he was playing 10, Johnny. Did you see the clip as well of him yes. sat in the number nine spot in the change room and Grau asked to say, me belong one, Antoine. Would you have left him there, wouldn't you? Yeah, mate, it doesn't bother me. Again, that's that's just scrum half being scrum half. Mate, you're in the wrong city. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but Antoine, like, clearly he's in at halftime. He looked like in a world of pain as well, like mm. physically exhausted. And, you know, you've got your normal place where you sit. He's normally in the nine and he comes in and Paul, hey, mate, like, you're 10. Can you just nudge up? <laughs> Imposing themselves, these scrum halves. But yeah, ridiculous. Mate, my meter moment of the week is from a new kid on the block and a moment he had after the game. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. Again, for people watching rugby in France, he's probably a little bit of an unknown, but Joe McCarthy. Yes. I mean, he was monstrous. And I, again, not watching Leicester that that often, you know, you think Ryan, who co-captained previously at the World Cup, you think he's going to start, but Paul O'Connell and Andy Farrell have other ideas. In comes Joe McCarthy, and the way that boy gets around the field, how he carries, how he impacts, his work at the line out, his steals. He was exceptional. And again, listening to the French commentary here, they're like, who is this kid? Because he was just that good. Everything he did sort of touched the gold. Um, so worthy of the man of the match award. But the moment that I thought was touching and very nice, you might have seen this, he gets presented mm-hmm. with his man of the match award and his brother's in the stand. His, his brother's got Down syndrome and he's over time with his family, celebrating the win and you know, picks up that medal and drapes around his, his brother's neck. And I thought that was, you know, a really nice moment. The performance aside was phenomenal, but to share that with your family that are over, to see you win in Marseille against France, and then to to give that to your brother, I thought was very, very cool. So that is this weekend's meter moment of the weekend. Hard to argue with that. Hell of a performance and an emotional moment with it after the game. That was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless bluetooth meat probe you can use it on a barbecue in the oven or in a pan and you can get your hands on one at meter.com plus you can get 10 percent off any full price item all you have to do is enter the code frenchpod10 at checkout that's frenchpod10 and you get 10 percent off any full price item at meter.com very quickly on the top 14 johnny because we want to bring Mathieu in bordeaux one away in the big one on Sunday night at Toulon. First ever win at Stad Mayol. It ain't great for Toulon at the minute, mate. We're not going to talk to Basta too much about Toulon because <laughs> I was down, and again, we'll chat about what we've been up to, but I was down with him in Toulon yesterday, which was Monday. And yeah, it ain't great. They should have won that game. I mean, Bordeaux are 
very good and they hung in that game but interception try from Madosh Tamboy how quick is he by the way he hasn't had mm. much game time this year because of Peno and Biaibari at, at Bordeaux but he was phenomenal uh, Deporter the outside centre scored at the death but if you look back mate and the manner of the tries like Toulon have the ball in Bordeaux's 22 they set up a mall to basically kill the game there's 65 seconds left and they spew out the back of a mall Bordeaux pick up three passes, they get down the wing and they win the game. Deporter wins it for Bordeaux. I mean, it's historic for Bordeaux, but there really is a little bit, I don't know, it's a wee bit crisis nature at Toulon at the minute, but it's a bit schoolboyish in how they lost that game and the type of tries they're conceding. So, yes, Bordeaux were exceptional. They hung in the game. You look through that squad, Tatafu, uh, Tapawai. I mean, they have some phenomenal players. Deporter is going to be an absolute star as well. He actually came out yesterday and said, disappointed to be released by France. I still want to play in the Six Nations. I've got what it takes. Like, totally backing himself, really confident. But for Toulon, mate, it's not great. They just don't look settled. They don't look cohesive in what they're trying to do. Um, and that's another loss at home. So all is not well. I'd imagine this week there'll be a few meetings. If you listen to Danny Brennan, they should probably go to the beach bar. They should probably have a few <laughs> head-to-heads and sort themselves out. Um, but a huge historic for Bordeaux. I mean, it's historic. It's very, very cool. And you look through that team, Tammy Funa, Kane Douglas, Tapua, like some of the names they've got during the Six Nations weekends. They're an outrageous team on paper. So well done to them. And they are now level with Stade Francais and Toulouse on 41 points at the top of the table because Rassing have led the table all season. They were well beaten at Perpignan, weren't they? They were a bonus point for Perpignan as well. Mm. So that's a big old win. Very impressive for them. The other one that stood out this weekend was the away win for Cast in Poe, which I didn't see coming, but there's maybe a shift. You had Popelin, who's been playing 10. He moved to fullback, and that left Louis Lebrun coming back from injury to step in at 10. Caucasian uh, and Botitu, they were phenomenal in the centres, and Santi Arata was a menace, as he always is. So a big result on the road for Cast as well, 44-33 away from home. That's a big old result for them. Um, so yeah, it's always interesting, these Six Nations weekend sides that don't lose too many people. They sort of managed to squeeze these wins out um, when other sides are losing a few more players. Um, and yeah, bit of a shift in the, in the table. So be interesting come the end of the Six Nations window. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Right, let's bring our guest on now and we can have a chat with former Six Nations Grand Slam winner, top 14 winner, three-time Champions Cup winner, Mathieu Bastro joins us. How you doing? Hello, I'm good. I'm good and you. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll come on to France shortly and a bit about your career as well. But you've been spending quite a lot of time with Johnny recently, haven't you? So has he been treating you well? Yeah, well, he's like my, uh, my second wife. <laughs> because, uh, we work a lot together yes <laughs> i feel more like his agent 
to be honest. I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. more the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> maîtresse and uh, agent. That's it. Mistress yeah. and agent. We'll take that. <laughs> Johnny was telling me that yesterday he had you playing the bagpipes, which is interesting. But I also want to hear about when you went to the Moulin Rouge, because the thought of you and Johnny doing the can-can together is something that most people can't get their heads around. How was that? It was very physical. Very physical. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I think I just coming for a chat in the Moulin Rouge because it's a famous place in, in France. And uh, when I saw the performer, I said, whoa, we are in trouble. <laughs> and she uh, they, they show us some uh, some skills. I said, whoa. Why? Well, yeah. <laughs> I understand why I stopped my career in May. But that's the thing. I think for anybody that knows the Moulin Rouge, you don't go to the Moulin Rouge expecting to have a conversation. You go expecting for it to get physical in one way or another. But it, it was great fun. I mean, yesterday as well. I mean, playing the bagpipes on the beach in Toulon. That was also a very nice experience and a good surprise. And how is Johnny with the bagpipes, Matthew? Because he's Scottish, so I'm assuming that he's really good with the bagpipes. He can play a tune, yeah? Yes, he's good. He's good. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's just, you know, second, uh, second skin. You know, it's easy <laughs> for him. Very easy. Put it this way, Basta and I are the same level. That's all I'm going to say. And that was my first time. That was his first time. Jeez, it's harder than I thought. Like I kind of took it for granted as a bit of a national sport, but um, like my lung capacity, clearly I have a lung capacity of a couple of crisp packets because um, <laughs> it's hard work, really hard work. We also had Phil Fitzgerald. don't know if you remember Phil Fitzgerald. He came down to join us. I played with Phil. We had one test together, played for Scotland A against Georgia in 2008, but he played for Toulon for like 15 years. Yeah. He's now a lawyer, still working there, lovely guy. Uh, and he came down and joined us for lunch and a bit of piping as well, because he's a real piper. Yeah, when he came um, in, in Toulon, he was in the academy and uh, he just fell in love with Toulon and he stayed. He played for the, for, for the senior team. He was captain, two-time uh, French champion of uh, the second division. And uh, yeah, he's still, he's still here and uh, he helped um, he helped the, the club sometimes uh, we when we have some bad guy doing some commission, <laughs> UPCA commission, he helps some guy. Well, what he's alluding to is when there's a disciplinary panel for Basta, which has happened a few times, <laughs> Phil's the one that represents him, which is quite nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. We've covered the can-can. We've covered the bagpipes. We should probably talk rugby. So Ireland are a well-oiled machine. We know how good they are. But what did you make of the game in Marseille from a French perspective? We was uh, we was in shock. We was in shock because uh, we all know it's going to be a um, a tough game. But I think after five ten minutes, we was all like, "Oh, it's going to be very hard." And because we we don't have uh, we didn't have ball, uh, we were poor in defense. Uh, it was very very difficult. After after um, at the half time, we said, "Oh, we are we are very lucky to just you know uh, seven points to the to the Irish boys." And uh, yeah, sure. After the, the the red car, we say, "Oh, we can't we can't win today." But uh, I'm I'm sure with 15 players, 14 players, it's going to be the same result uh, because Ireland was in a, another level. We were talking about it before you came on, but Ireland was probably the worst team to play against as your first game after the World Cup. Do you get the sense there's maybe a little bit of a hangover for the players, both mentally and physically, after their World Cup exit? We didn't have this feeling in France because uh, we was, uh, you know, good in the Champions Cup, and uh, we said, "Oh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a chance. It's the best occasion to." To switch on uh, uh, new things after the the, the lose in um, in World Cup, and uh, it was a good opportunity against Ireland. But um, I think it's it start changing two weeks before the game when the media start uh, talking every day about the quarterfinal. Every day, oh, do you think the the, the pain? After the lose against South Africa, um, the players still thinking of that. Uh, the supporter, 
the climate was changed. I think it was very difficult for the player to stay focused on Ireland when all the people around the player ask about South Africa. And Fabian Galtier has obviously done a very good job with this France side over the last four years. They were so close at a home World Cup. They were playing great rugby. That's just one game. But he will obviously feel the pressure this week. You know him. Is there a danger that things will all implode? He will do certain things to get the players' backs up? Or is this just a one-off and we'll see a backlash this week and France will be back to their best? You know, in France... It's uh, it's uh, it's very different because you know when we lost the game, we won't change everything, and we we forgot it's the first game of the Six Nation. You 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 can always win the Six Nation. I think uh, the confidence and Fabien Galtier change a little bit, but if we win in Scotland, nobody um, talk or uh, no. On, the, on this uh, last, they're more critical because they've got higher standards because they've been they've been spoilt again. Maybe that's a, a bad word to use, but because the French team has performed so well, they're used to those high standards. So when there was a dip in performance at the weekend, there was a big reaction over here from the media, from all the written media, from all the like from social media as well. Every all the comment, all the comments and supporters were really harsh on the French team. But there must be an appreciation as well. Matthew, for the rising standards that the French team has had over the past four seasons, because like we've had like different eras under different coaches before, and it was a difficult period for French rugby. Whereas yeah. this is just a one-off game, but the consistency in performance under Fabian has been much better, and it has been well received, right? Yeah, and um, we say in France we have a, a short memory. Uh, me, I was I was there uh, when it was very difficult. For the French team, we, we finished maybe four or five as a six nation. It was a terrible uh, situation for the French team. And Galtier arrived with um, a, a young uh, generation. And during four seasons, you know, they put the French team in the position uh, all the, all the amateur in France want to see the French team. So after one game, you can't, you know, uh, um, you know, ask uh, uh, a revolution, change the coaching, uh, uh, bring back some player, out some player. It's too easy. It's too easy. It's a new adventure. Okay, it's uh, it's the same uh, coach. Maybe eighty percent of the player was in the World Cup, but it's a uh, it's it's a new 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 cycle. Um, and in, but in front we are not passionate, so. And Johnny's been coached by Fabian Galtier and has told us what he's like. So from your point of view, Fabian was your coach, wasn't he, right at the start of your career at Stade Francais and then towards the end as well at Toulon. So give us an insight into what he's like as a as a coach and as a man. Fabian is uh, maybe the best coach I had during my career. Me, give me the opportunity to play in top 14 when I had uh, 18 years old in, in Paris. And uh, I was lucky because... Uh, uh, at this moment, in center, you had uh, Liebenberg, uh, Messina, Stefan Glas. There was Mirko Bergamasco. They were all in the national team. And me, I just come from my uh, young young team of Massy in third division. And uh, and he gave me the, the confidence. And I start my first game against uh, Toulouse. I think he's the best technician I, I, I know. Uh, I had a lot of great coach like... Uh, Bernard Laporte. Bernard Laporte is, is I think, is, is the best I know for the leading the, the, the players, you know, in the men. You, after one speech uh, of him, you want to, to go to, to, to the war for him. The management is very different. Uh, it's why, it's why I think, uh, a lot of people are um, confident of Fabian because they know he's the best. We are not uh, in danger. And this game against Ireland maybe show us what uh, we don't want to see, the problem on the high ball. Johnny, what Mathieu says there echoes exactly what you've said about Fab- Fabian Galtier. The best coach you've had, technically brilliant. But just listening to that comparison with Bernard Laporte, perhaps 
man management is the area, one area perhaps, where he might not be as strong as some other coaches. So in that respect, this will be a huge challenge this week, won't it? Because he'll have to manage those players and get them back up. You have to manage those players, but I imagine, and I imagine Basta will feel the same, like there will be a big internal reaction from this group of players in that they've had that big disappointment at the World Cup. Now I think everybody was waiting for a reaction to see something in Marseille. It didn't come. Now I think from the player, and that doesn't have to be Fabian that drives that. I think that from the players, from Greg Aldrit, from the captain, from the senior players group, from Gail Ficou, Joe Dante, they will all want to show a different face this weekend, a different side of their game and prove something. And so I imagine, Matthew, for you as well, after having watched that game and that loss against Ireland, now the French side, they will expect a big reaction. Surely after losing, after having lost at home, there'll be a dangerous and different animal at Murrayfield this weekend. Yeah, for sure. You know, since uh, four years, it was like um, um, a fairy tale. It's like a fairy tale. No, uh, every, everybody was um, behind the team, uh, the fans, the partners. Everything was, uh, was um, you know, uh, perfect for the player. And now, I think it's uh, the first time uh, this team... Uh, are under under pressure of the of the press and and um, all the people you know who, who love this team. So now they have to 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 show their uh, their character. But we me, I'm not uh, afraid. Yes, I'm confident they're gonna show an, uh, um, another face. But we have to um, to be humble. Because we're gonna play Scotland, and Scotland uh, have um, a magnificent team uh, with um, my man, the, the Scottish Messi, uh, <laughs> the Scottish Messi, uh, the center Chupuluto, uh, who woke me up at uh, at the Challenge Cup final. Uh, I, I didn't take a, a contact like that a lot of my career, but it woke me up. <laughs> and they have a lot of um, good players, a lo- lot of talent. So it's gonna be a, a, a good game. Me, if I'm a, if I play for Scotland, I say I think it's okay. They lost against Ireland. They uh, they, um, they play very bad against Ireland, but I think this, this is a good moment to uh, play against French team and. Uh, put him under uh, pressure. I think the first 15 minutes will be very important because uh, if uh, we are under pressure and, uh, you know, under under the high ball, we'll start lost collision, the ball. You start, you know, thinking about uh, last last week, you say, oh, maybe the same things and it's very different. So if you were Fabien Galtier, what would you be saying to your group of players and where do you think you could apply pressure to this Scottish team? I think we are the, the best when we have the ball. Play with intensity. We, we have the chance to have some magical players like uh, Penaud, uh, Ramos, uh, Jalibert. So let the, the, this man play. Uh, I, I know the tactic, uh, the, the tactic is very, uh, very important. But when you have this... Uh, they have talent in the in the team. Just make sure they are confident. We all we um, we watch the game um, uh, in Wales for the Scotland team. We saw the second half when the when Wales put the intensity and uh, and the passion. It was hard for Scotland. You mentioned him there, Damien Pano. We love talking about him because everyone has a smile on their face when they talk about Damien Pano. He went past Serge Blanco and Philippe Stella at the weekend in terms of the most tries for France in the history of this tournament. You played with him at the start of his France career. Give us an insight into what he's like as a bloke because he sounds like a real character. He's a very funny, uh, funny man. He's like, you know, no, he plays with no pressure. He just wants to come, play, and enjoy uh, playing rugby. It's like that. So sometimes you you play uh, uh, maybe against the All Blacks or, or England, and in France it's, you have a lot of pressure. He's still smiling before the game, always joking. 
I was like, whoa. I'm like, a, I was like old school before the game. You know, all the day, stay in my routine, talk to anybody. I was like that. And this this generation, before the game, smiling, play card. In the beginning, I didn't understand that. For me, there was a, I, I was like, oh, they don't care, maybe it's not normal. But now, I have some regrets, you know, uh, before before the game. I, I don't have a good memories before the game because I was in stress. And now, I say, oh, maybe if I, if I was like him, maybe I can say, uh, uh, I can maybe tell you a good story before a game. When I when I, I did a joke with him, when maybe I put some mustard in the in the shoes of player, but me I was old school, you know. You talk about mustard, and Tim will be like, "What's he talking about?" But like in my first meetings at Montpellier, so Fabian Galti would have been the coach. The boys were stealing like ketchup and mustard from the canteen, and so when Fabian was giving like chats at the front of the room on like a Monday and Tuesday boys would be squirting ketchup into like the flip-flops, the back of flip-flops. And then when they yeah. shoot up, the ketchup <laughs> of mustard goes everywhere. Like that's a classic happens everywhere in France, but you wouldn't do that for risk of getting shot on a Friday or Saturday. Cause that was disruptive to the game routine, but you could do that on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, just differences in the way we're brought up in different parts of the world. Before we come on to talking about your career, Mathieu, this weekend selection will be interesting, won't it? Because we friend of the show, Paul Willemser, is obviously going to be missing Roman Taffa Fenua still out. Would you start Pasolo Tuilangi? Me, yes, because I I, I love uh, this type of player. But uh, he's uh, he's young, he's young. I think we we have to keep a process with him and don't burn him too soon. He still learn so. Let him, let him time during this Six Nation learn, and maybe this summer you give him, um, you know, a starter, starter role. I, I, I will be happy if uh, if he starts, but I don't want, uh, you know, the the burn him too soon. So that's the future and the present. Let's talk a little bit about the past now. You're newly retired, fifty four France caps. Do you have a favorite? Game, a favorite memory from your career? I think uh, my first cap, my first cap against Wales in 2009. Uh, it was a crazy story because uh, I wasn't on the squad uh, and one player uh, got injured during the week on Tuesday. And me, uh, I finished the training uh, with, uh, with Paris, I was supposed to go to school. But I was tired. I said, oh, I don't go to school. And uh, my coach and my president start calling me. I was scared because I said, oh, they know I didn't go to school. It's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. I didn't answer. I didn't answer. I said, oh, um, I'm thinking about uh, what I, um, I will say to, to them, you know. The, the, the next day, or I'm, I'm sick, or something like that. And uh, after I say no, okay, I, I call back the, the coach, and I say, oh, maybe because he won't to tell to me, I want to, he wants me to play this weekend. And he say, oh, what are you doing? I say, oh, I'm, I don't feel good. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm sick. He say, ah, oh, you sick. So you can go to the French team. I said, French team? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they need you. One player is in job. So you are called by uh, for the French team. I said, okay. Uh, oh, French team? Oh, yeah, I was in, in panic, in shock. He said, oh, you feel better now? Yeah, 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 I feel better, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the game was uh, was perfect for me. Uh, I play with, uh, I think, one of the greatest center in the in the history, Yannick Josion. Everybody was uh, nice with me. Uh, I did not uh, when they, they called me. I said, "Oh, maybe because uh, at this time they don't call uh, thirty or forty-two players. They call just uh, 20, 23 players. So I know I'm gonna play." But I didn't know I was gonna start. 
So um, I do maybe one one training session, and it gives the team. I say, oh, okay, it's something serious. <laughs> but yeah, one of the my best memory, and uh, after the for sure the the Grand Slam in 2010 because I realized uh, uh, what is it to to win something with the French team. I remember the, when I was a kid and I watched all the all the players, uh, Dourte, Dominici, uh, Fabien Pelouse, all the, all the all of my idol to this and me and the, now I'm the same place. Very special. And I thought you were going to say your favourite memories were actually just beating Scotland because I'm fairly sure we played <laughs> against each other six times and I won none and you won six. So <laughs> that was no contest as well. I mean, like your international career was phenomenal. Grand Slam, what an achievement. But then also on the club level, I mean, it was the club side of everyone's dreams that you played with. You started with Stade Francais, but finishing with Toulon, essentially the barbarian side of the club landscape, playing with Johnny Wilkinson, Matt Gitto, littered with stars. You won the Champions Cup three times. So what was that like? I think I'm the maybe I'm the luckiest player in the in the history because uh in Stade Francais and Toulon I played with maybe the the best players uh, you can have. Uh in Stade Francais I played with Sergio Parisse, uh, Juan Martinez Hernandez, uh, Christophe Dominici, players like that. And uh some uh, league legend like uh, Marc Gasnier. Uh, and when I signed in Toulon, I was uh, I was a little bit nervous because uh, when you play with, uh, you know, you have to play with Johnny, Maguito, Brian Abana, all of these legends, the, uh, the, the one the World Cup, I felt very small, very small. I just say it's a well, I think it's a good occasion for me to learn, to learn from them, and it's why it's it's what I it's what I I did for me. It was my yeah, best memories in my career. Every time I go to training, I learn something. And me, I remember I was the youngest in the in the in the team, and. I, I, I have the same sensation when we, you know, when you coming out of the, and uh, just before you go on the field, I just watch around me. I was like, whoa, it's a dream because you play with the, the one to the 15, 30, uh, 23. It's all, all, all of a um, legend. So I was lucky to, to be part of uh, this uh, generation. Very modest. I think they would all say they were lucky to play with you as well. Give you the ball, get on the front foot, steal of the course, ball back. Yes, <laughs> of course, yes, of course, yes, of course, yes. They was lucky when sometimes we we had a, a bad situation. They give me the, the shit ball to me. <laughs> <laughs> we're too old, Mathieu. Here's the ball. Get us over the front yeah, foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we are blocked. Oh, basta. Give us. Absolutely. And you talk about learning just very briefly. We all know you as a as a world-class international centre. And then at the end of your career, you clearly embrace that learning because you become a back rower. So just talk us through how difficult that is. We know you went through a lot of injuries as well towards the end of your career, which must have been mentally very difficult to get through. But physically, that transition from going from a centre to a back row as well, that shows a lot of character to do that. Yeah, it's a different rugby. It's not the same when you play backs and you play forward. It's, it's not the same thing. And uh, I remember after my first game, I said, oh, I have to apologize uh, a couple of times. Um, I scream on you guys because uh, it's very difficult because you have to, you have to lift, run to the, to the rack. Uh, and um uh, know the the call in line out, know your role, uh, go everywhere on the on the on the pitch. It's not the, it's it's like a marathon. I put a lot of respect on the on the forward now. For me, it's a, it was a unique. I was lucky in school, you know. It's so different backs and forward, and 
me, I was happy to learn something new at this uh, you know stage of my career, and uh, it was a good good opportunity. When they asked me if I want to play uh, back home, I said, Nah. I, I I was like, Oh, you you do respect me uh, because you think I'm uh, I'm too I'm too old. I'm not. I don't have the level anymore to play center. So I was like, Yeah, they they, they don't respect me. But after I take the time to think of that, I said, yeah, maybe it's a good idea because I'm less faster than before. And if I want to play uh, longer, maybe it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good deal for me. And after a couple of training, when I, I try, I say, I like so let's go. I like. Show me the four-year contract and I'll sign. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I see what happened. <laughs> and I love it as well. But that's the thing. It was a massive because obviously outside center is an incredibly difficult position to play in. But your biggest, I think the biggest thing you gave, and you mentioned like for Johnny Wilkinson, he had a front row ticket to the Basta show. If there was ever a problem, front football, we need it, Basta, you can get it. And then you just give it from a different position. You're giving it from number eight. But I love the way that, Tim, finally we have confirmation from Mathieu that actually the forwards, and we knew this already, but we've got now got a back that's played forward, has confirmed it, that the forwards work harder, they're actually smarter, <laughs> there's more to deal with. Um, and it made me always think as well, whenever I was doing scrum practice or line-out practice, and I would look over and see the backs doing like kicking practice and just kicking the ball, but I was like, oh man, I would love to be a back. It'd be so much easier. So it must be strange <laughs> for you. Having gone from the kicking practice and then going, oh shit, what am I doing over here pushing in scrums, which is not fun for any position. Front row is different, but back row isn't fun either. But the one man, when we look back at those two long days, we've touched on some players. The one man that everybody also loves talking about is Murad, Monsieur Bujalal, your old president. Yeah. And again, you, you were telling me a couple of nice stories, but like you must have some great stories which involve him as well from over the years at Toulon. Murad is a, it's a great character. You love him, you hate him, but it's, uh, you have to respect him. What he achieved in Toulon, what he what he did for the club, for the city, you have to respect that. And uh, me, I remember after the first Champions Cup we won in Dublin, and uh, we say we don't go out because we had uh, we have the semi final uh, against Toulouse uh, the the next week. And we stay in the hotel, and we celebrate in the hotel. Two a.m., three a.m., uh, we lost the trophy. No trophy in the hotel, and we ask the the security, uh, um, "Why is the trophy?" He said, "Oh, what take him? Why take him?" So we have to go in the find the 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 more the room, and we. Take back the trophy, maybe for uh, two hours, and he, he, he called the security of um, his security man. He said, "Bring back the, the, the trophy." He said, "Okay." We let the trophy to to Morad, but after all the bills, all the champagne, beer, we put on his room <laughs> bill. <laughs> we put. We put everything on his room in the morning before he said, Oh, I don't understand why I have why I have to pay that. And it's a different era now at Toulon. And you are the team manager now. So how are you finding life after playing in that role? And give us an idea of what your job kind of involves on a day-to-day -day basis. Oh yeah, it's a, it's um it's a, it's totally different for me. It's a, it was a good opportunity. Uh me, I wanted to maybe play another season or stop and um, coach under 18. But uh, I, I felt my body was, you know, it was too difficult for me to for play another season. So uh, um, I wanted to, you know, to to coach under 18. And the coach, Pierre Mignoni, asked me if I wanted to 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 stay with uh, with him with uh, as a, as a team manager, you know team manager. Uh, it's you know I I know uh, Tom Whitford, you know, but you never know all the job you have to do uh, as a team manager. 
So for me, it was, um, you know, it was, uh, I, I take that like a new challenge and stay close to the, to the team, to the new player, new, new generation. I, I try to, to give advice, uh, what it means to play for Toulon, uh, because, uh, Toulon, uh, is not the, it's, it's a place very, very um, different than another play in France. You have a lot of pressure uh, from the fans. Uh, you know, we say every time it's like Marseille in, in football. Uh, the people here are very uh, um, passionate. They love uh, rugby. They love uh, their club. And they don't like um, when you when you cheat. When some me, I remember when I signed for Toulon, I had maybe one year of uh, for my adaptation at the at the city and uh, in, uh, in the city in, in the team. So me, I try to facilitate for the player and give some uh, identity to the to the to the team. And there's no better man for the job that that's the point that's why Pierre has asked you to come back you are the link between the staff and the players the history and the players you're there also like for the general mental health for their installation getting them settled pastoral care the whole nine yards so it's a massive job and, and I guess the question to you is like you're doing this all for everyone else I know your missus is about to drop with kid number three as well I've been in the same yeah. situation it's it's a hard stint at the end when you do finish. So how are you finding in general the transition from playing to a completely different role? Has it been easy? Are you finding it difficult? Are you enjoying it? Uh, in the beginning, uh, uh, um, I take maybe one one or two months to take my place because when you do when you play during maybe sixteen seventy years. You do, you, you, you did this, uh, every day, every second day. When you are in your office, alone in your office for the first time in your life, it's totally strange. But, uh, like I said, I take that like a, a, a challenge. I, I change, you know, my routine. Uh, now I have more time for my kids. You have pressure, but the pressure is different because, uh, me, it's all the organization, the logistic uh, around the team. So uh, you have the pressure of the if the flight is uh, is uh, is late or the bus uh, uh, is late or something like that. Uh, when you are a player, you are just focused on what you have to do. That's that's okay. That's uh, it's uh, it's okay. I, I, I'll deal I'll deal with that. My wife is a little bit. Uh, she, she she's not happy because they never are. They never are. Yeah, they never yeah. Are. yeah. She, she she's not happy because she said that you you travel like uh, like when you play. I say yes because I have to be there. I say but it's like when you play. So what I what I win in the in the in this story? I say oh. <laughs> <laughs> you say when I ask you, you say me yes. So now <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> and I'm assuming you've told her about this weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to walk. Uh, <laughs> I go to, uh, I go to Scotland for the for for the game. You call that work? You go to the Scotland yeah. with Johnny? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say uh, I go for walk. <laughs> Johnny will show you a good time, I'm sure, and call it work. But finally, Mathieu, obviously it's early days. You're doing bits in the media, doing some corporate stuff with Johnny, as we just mentioned. Team manager at Toulon. You also said you wanted to coach the under-18s at Toulon. So yeah. have you had a chance to kind of map out what you might like to do in the future? Or is it a case of just trying lots of different things at the moment? Would you like to be, I mean, Rafael Ibanez is the team manager at France. Is that the goal? Would you like to be a head coach, a positional coach? No, um, you know, uh, at this at this moment of my career, I didn't know if I going to come back for play or not with my injuries. So I open, you know, uh, uh, I put on the table all the opportunity I can have. It's why I start last uh, last year coaching 
little bit under um, 18. And uh, I, I like that. But it's like the same when they asked me for the team manager. And uh, it was new. And now I like that. So um, sometimes you have to, to take some decision. At this moment, I'm a team manager of Toulon. I don't have time to coach the under 18. But maybe in two years, four years, if I, if I won't stop, I know I can have the opportunity to do this in Toulon because uh, they, they are very uh, nice with me. But I don't have a, a goal uh, to be uh, the team manager of the French team. Or no, um, I just want, I'm happy to, to, to be uh, in, uh, in Toulon. I just want uh, anything, anything I can do uh, for, you know, put Toulon like when I played in the top place in uh, uh, Europe uh, and, uh, you know, re recreate something that we, I think we, we lost uh, those years. Now it's my only goals now. Mathieu, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us and good luck this weekend with the um, work, if we can call it that. Yeah, with Johnny. it's a work, it's a work. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you get to see a France win anyway at Murrayfield. Yes, yes, that is going to be a tough game. Win or lose, your work wife will show you a good time in Edinburgh anyway, so it's fine. Your only your only role is to make it back, mate, because you've got number three dropping next week is to not drink too much whiskey, enjoy the game, make it back safely and get home for the birth of your third child. So, mate, well done. Thanks all for joining us and uh, looking forward to this weekend. Should be epic. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, Mathieu. Cheers. We covered a lot of bases there with Mathieu, but your, your work husband, Johnny... Work wife. I don't know what we are. Whichever way around you are, yeah. We're, ge we're gender fluid these days. I don't know what yeah. we are. Um, he's probably big spoon, though. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> he's a big old boy. Um, mate, great to have him on. He's, he's a great egg uh, and loved by everyone over here. He's just, and again, he had that sort of, when he was playing, like the image of like big, like baddie, you know, big bastard. Like he's, he's a big softy, really nice boy. Um, and yeah, like again, doing different bits. So working away with Toulon, he's obviously been a legend of the club, legend of the French team. He's now setting up his own bits. Um, I was filming with him yesterday. So if you go on YouTube, if you're a French, if you can speak a bit of French and tap in Basta show, you'll find his new show. He did week one with Baptiste Sarant to preview France, Ireland. We did this week in French to preview um, Scotland, France. So he's dipping into different bits and, and like all of us, just finding his feet. But um a top man um, and an absolute legend of the game. So let's carry on looking ahead to Scotland, France then. You're obviously going to be there with Basta. What did you make of Scotland last week, Johnny? Much has been said about it in the days afterwards. What did that second half from Scotland say to you about them? It, it's hard. I, I think it shows what we already knew about Scotland, which is that they can be absolutely fantastic and on their day, give everyone a run for their money. And then they can be not fragile, but they're also, you can take them. You know, if you've got power and you generate intensity like Basta alluded to, you can pressurise them on the gain line. They then get squashed and they, they panicked a little bit and Cardiff gave away penalties. I think it was something like 14 or 15 on the trot. So there's nothing we didn't know. When they have ball and they're up against easy opposition, easy. Gatlin, by his own admission, that first half, that's the worst 40 minutes rugby he's ever produced as a coach. They were shambles. They won no line-out ball, no platform. Their kicking game was embarrassingly poor and it was easy for Scotland you had Ben White his kicking game superb uh, Finn Russell as well superb and, and Scotland didn't really have to do much to click into gear and when they did they were outstanding second half and this is where the PTSD came in um, 26 unanswered points you're 27 nil up if that's New Zealand or South Africa it's a 60 or 70 point game I don't care who the opposition are they just foot on the throat and they they crack on and they and they demolish you. Um, where Scotland allowed them a foothold back into the game and, and Wales took it. 26 unanswered points in the second half. So Jekyll and Hyde, and it doesn't move us any further forward. Again, for the historians, they'll look back in five games' time and it doesn't matter what happened. It's, it's a box tick. They won that game first time in 20 years um, that they've won in Cardiff. So that's all positive. But the sort of manner is it, the manner of it still doesn't leave me completely convinced that Scotland are able to dine at the top table consistently with your South Africa's, your New Zealand's, your France's and your Ireland's. That's still my um, worry. That being said, they're at home this weekend. 
where they have a recent decent track record against the French, they will feel confident. But I worry about this French team going over there that they have been prodded and it's a sort of hornet's nest that's about to be unleashed. Um, and if there is one area that Scotland won't be able to cope with France, it is that power game. It is up front, gain line collisions, Dante, Fiku, midfield. It's Greg Aldrich coming around the corner. It's Antonio at scrum time. It's that power. Um, a little bit less so in the second row now. It looks like they might go with Walkie and Gabriel Lag if they don't go to Lagi. But that's the one bit that worries me for Scotland is that power game. You mentioned that. Obviously, Scotland have got their injuries as well. Richie Gray, Luke Crosby out, but Grant Gilchrist, Rory Darge back. So arguably, they might be improved in that respect. But certainly, if that is the the swap, it's, it's not losing too much, perhaps in depth on the bench. France's selection, we mentioned it a little bit with Mathieu. You said it there. If it's Gabriel Arganwaki, is that underpowered a little bit? Would you not go for someone a bit more physically dominating and you mentioned Halagar who might, might be on the bench yeah for Scotland is sort of much of a muchness the only danger I would say like Crosby being out is more of a physical presence Darge then brings you the turnover presence of an out and out open side which they maybe didn't have last week so that is if France have a bigger pack do you maybe lack in speed therefore there's opportunity for somebody like Darge who is exceptional over ball to generate that turnover ball that's so hard to defend against so like Darge for me brings a real point of difference for Scotland for France, it's weird. I mean, yes, maybe if you're moving a big old unit like Paul Valemsi at five, you're bringing in Walkie, but then you're maybe probably boosting that line out that was shocking against the Irish. So you maybe have a little bit less power, but you're getting back your set piece and your ball at source, which you didn't have last week, which gives you a foothold in the game. So I, I don't know, everything to be balanced. Then obviously you got Tulagi and maybe Matias, as he alluded to, Halagu coming off the bench but they're very young. This is the thing, like Manny Miafu would be more of a sure thing, I would say, like more game time, more experience, more know-how around big games, having been there and done it for Toulouse, whereas Tulagi and Lagu, it's a different level they've been playing at this year. So yeah, maybe a little bit in power shift out the starting team, but they need to short to shore up their line out. So you could see why they would bring those two boys in to start in the second row. And are you predicting a France backlash? Are you predicting a Scotland win where, where is it going to be more than a loss is it that physicality again or do you think Scotland can play around France I don't know you look at for instance the try that Scotland generated where Finn Russell essentially walked under and gave Duhan van der Merwe a two-on-one um, and that comes from the distance of pass from nine to a cell eliminating defenders and then a second phase repeating the same with that pod of Tuopolotu, Hugh Jones and Finn Russell at the back. That's their pivot and that's how they generate space. If they're allowed to do that at Murrayfield, I think it could be difficult for France. If France get the upper hand physically and with their blitz defence at fifth, at the full complement of 15 men on the field, I think they could beat Scotland at Murrayfield. But like, weirdly, I, I think Scotland going to this game as favourites, which I probably wouldn't have said, or generally wouldn't say, but I just... I think given there haven't there hasn't been too much change to the Scottish backroom staff, the players all know each other inside out. France has a little bit of transition uncertainty and therefore that knocks confidence. Either they come out health leather and they obliterate everything, or they come out and they get things wrong. And against Finn Russell, you don't want to be over-reading, over-chasing, and getting things wrong. And that's where feel they might just have one or two opportunities that they create by defensive creaks. As we mentioned, the defensive record, four tries in the last couple of games. Uh, and I feel like that might be exploited by um, by Scotland. Also, like you look at how they wanted to kick against the Welsh. I think Scotland will go to the air, try and pressurise the French back three, and they won't give them anything. So I think it'll be a tough old game, tight, but I think Scotland might just nick it, which I know won't <laughs> appease or please our um, French followers and fans, but that's where I'm going this weekend. And a very quick word on the other games. You were pretty scathing about England last week, so I'm guessing you weren't so impressed by them against Italy. Do you think they'll beat Wales at Twickenham? Yeah, I do. Um, and I think they'll have too much. Um, and I still don't think they show that much. And that they're probably paying, playing within themselves with the systems and structures and attacking templates that they're using. But I still feel even at maybe 85% of their full capacity, they will beat Wales at Twickers. And then I actually, the other team that I was really pleased for and impressed for were Italy under Gonzalo Quesada. I mean, they're going to Ireland, they're not going to win in Dublin, but that was a big positive statement performance. I know they lost the game, but touching distance of 
beating England. Um, and I was really chuffed for Gonzalo Casada uh, coming in, new coach, well received by everybody, uh, positive display. Um, so it was really enjoyable to watch them play some nice stuff against the English as well. Thanks, Johnny. Big thanks to Matthew Bastro for joining us. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a nice review if you can, check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.